0: Hello and welcome. You're listening to On the Pulse, the podcast about community health in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Today, Episode 4, Live 54218, a community health movement. I have a colleague with me who's new to the show.
1: Hi, I'm Greta, and I'm also a medical student, helping Rob produce this podcast. You'll be hearing more of me in the future.
0: Thanks for joining us today. We've got a great episode for you.
1: So this week, Rob sat down with Live 54218,
0: I did, and we had a great conversation. I chatted with Jen Vanden Elzen and Natalie Bomstead, who are the Executive Director and Director of Operations.
1: So live 54218 is an organization that challenges us to think boldly about changing our community.
0: With that, here is Episode 4. Enjoy.
1: So
2: I am Jen Vanden Elzen. I'm the Executive Director here at live 54218, and I have
3: been with the organization for about six years since our inception. And I am Natalie Bomstead, and I'm the director of operations here at Live 5428, and I have been with the organization for about two years. So, Live 5428 started back in 2010, actually, and we had a really unique beginning. We started
2: on the pages of the Green Bay Press Gazette, which is our daily newspaper here in town. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, January 2010, they published an editorial called Think Bold, and they were challenging the community to think bold about how we can make this a better place to live. And they were pretty surprised, I think, when they got a ton of responses in from readers. People started emailing, calling, saying, like, here's what we could do. Here's what we could do. Let's make our community better. Like, well, we started something here. Um, and so what they ended up um, doing with that, I mean, they got suggestions from we need better care for our veterans. We should buy every kid a computer, you know, different things like that. But the thing they heard the most is that we've got a serious health problem in our community. And really, you know, really that dialed in very quickly onto this idea that we've got a childhood obesity epidemic and we've got to find a way to to tackle that problem here. Um, And a vision was kind of cast initially around um, creating the kind of community where the healthiest kids in America would be raised. And so that's where we started. Obviously, we've evolved quite a bit since then. it started. It was really cool. As the newspaper, you know, right away recognized. Okay, so there's a lot of momentum around this idea that we need to build a healthier community, and specifically around that youth piece. Um, but they said we are the last place in the world that should be leading, um, you know, a health initiative. We're a newspaper, and so they were smart enough at that time to reach out to a group of really connected and really wise women in our community, known as the Women's Fund. Um, you know, leaders from within that group, and say, "Hey, you all know how to organize and how to bring an idea to life. What should we do?" And so from there, um, a partnership. Um, was kind of formed with the Greater Green Bay Chamber of Commerce and kind of asked them, would you be willing to convene a task force or a group, a committee, something that would get together and talk about this idea and turn it into something? So from there, a green team and a gold team were convened. um, We are always Packer (laughs) fans here. Very, very very appropriate. A green team and a gold team were were convened um, with the kind of task of looking at what works, what doesn't work, um, some really great asset mapping locally, and who's figured this out nationally, who's actually moved the needle on some of the health issues um, and obesity specifically in their community around the country. And what was unique about that is, first of all, that started on the newspaper, and then the Chamber of Commerce was serving as the home for it, which again is awesome, but so unique. Um, And then the people that were convened around the table, one table was, was folks that are really in this issue. You know, people who work at the health department, work at the schools, the Boys and Girls Club, that are really on the ground doing this work. The other table were business leaders in the community. And so to bring in the perspective of people that maybe weren't necessarily spending time every day thinking about this issue, but had some really, I think, um, really good perspective was really cool. Um, And so at the end of that kind of task force period, in February 2011, a white paper
1: was published um, here locally. Wait a minute. What is a white paper?
0: So I didn't know either, and I had to look it up. So I went straight to the horse's mouth, Wikipedia. Apparently, a white paper is a document that's published by some sort of authoritative body that is really trying to help people understand a complicated issue.
2: Um, that set forth the recommendation that Live Five Four Two One Eight be created um, to serve as this kind of backbone that would really kind of bring together all of these disparate efforts that we had in our community, great efforts, but efforts to build healthier community, improve resident health, but that were just kind of piecemeal. And maybe being successful in their own right, but as one standalone intervention, weren't going to move the needle collectively. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, that's where, we, where we started and um, kind of the history of our organization.
0: It seemed to me that they do a lot of the things that you might expect a public health department to do. So I asked Jen and Natalie to what extent they work with the public health department and how they avoid stepping on each other's toes.
2: You know, and it's a question, and so this podcast is focused specifically on the greater Green Bay area, right? And so yeah. public health as a government function is really nuanced state by state and community by community. Mm-hmm. Um, so within the state of Wisconsin, we are, I believe, 48 out of 50 states in terms of our public funding for public health. Mm-hmm. So there's very few dollars there. And so that right. what, what that means is many of our health departments um, across the state have really... <laughs> not the right size budget for what they need to do. So sure. really underfunded yeah. um, for a variety of reasons. But part of that has to do with what funding has looked like historically in our state. Um, so what it comes down to it is that there are state mandated functions that a health department of a certain size has to fill. Mm-hmm. And I think that what we find here locally is that health departments really do a phenomenal job of mm-hmm. filling those those functions, those state mandated functions. Um, because we don't have as, as much funding, as much resource here locally directed to the health departments as I believe there should be, sure. um, there isn't always enough room to do the more and, and the more things mm-hmm. that they want to be able to do. Right. Um, and so what we found, I think LIFT 54218 emerged at a time when there was a desire to do something big around um, you know, obesity prevention and now really around well-being as a whole, and we were able to become a nice complement to the functions that the health department is able to fill. Mm-hmm. And, and local government, which is what the health department is, really, is a powerful vehicle, but also has some restrictions around mm-hmm. it, and with reason, right? And so because we are outside of that, um, we're able to be a little more nimble, a little more agile, which can be really beneficial mm-hmm. when you're doing community-based work, because really, sure. you, you need to go where the energy is. Right. Um, and we, you know, we really, being co-located here with the Chamber of Commerce, we're able to have kind of one foot firmly in the business community, and one foot firmly in kind of the, the health and, the, you know, well-being community, yeah. and really kind of bridge that divide, which has been really powerful for us, I think.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, can I ask about the numbers behind the live? Sure.
2: Yeah, and that goes back to, you know, (laughs) as I was kind of telling you um, a little bit about our history, so we started in the area around childhood obesity prevention, Um, and so with that, we really thought, okay, how do we have a brand that will really resonate with youth? Um, And we're really inspire kind of positive action versus here's the things you can't do and don't do this and don't do that. And so the numbers in five, four, two, one, eight they each stand for a different evidence-based recommendation around how you could live a healthier life. So 5 is 5 fruits and vegetables a day. Um, 4 is 4 bottles of water a day. Um, reusable bottles, I would add. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> uh, 2 is 2 hours or less of screen time. 1 is 1 hour of physical activity. And 8 is 8 hours of sleep. And of course, you know before the before the future doctor in you says, "Well, hang on," <laughs> you know, it depends on the person, yep. what they need. That's absolutely true. But we find when you put general recommendations out there that mostly fit, you know, mm-hmm. obviously, if you're a four year old, you probably need ten hours of sleep a night, and not eight. And if you're an adult, mm-hmm. you really can probably do well, depending on the person, with seven hours of sleep a night. Mm-hmm. So it's customizable. Mm-hmm. But what it does is put something out there, a kind of some guidance, a vision around how people could kind of engage and, and live in a healthier way. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, it's not unintentional that it sounds like a local zip code. Mm -hmm. Uh, So 54218 does not exist as a zip code. Um, Luxembourg, actually, neighboring us here is 54217. Um, Local (laughs) zip codes here, you know, 54311 is over at UWGB. So it it feels like a zip code. And that's really because our vision has always been around kind of this idea of building the
3: healthiest community and so kind of evoking that sense of place. Mm -hmm. And really staying true to our roots of, you know, we exist because the community kind of brought this mm-hmm. to the nas- the community stage, right? Not the national stage, but the, the community stage. And so we, kind of, we want to continue to really stay true to that and continue to listen to the community and how do we build something that feels local and is local and has local solutions to some of these problems that are national problems.
0: Live 5 2 and eight also told us about some programs that they've been working on and some that they plan to in the future.
2: We had a lot of school based programming when we first started. Right. And so it was a really good way to kind of hook kids. Okay. And you know, you could start by, and you know, we'd send, um, we had a team of farm to school educators that we would send in in our early days. And, you know, they would go in and they'd start by saying, all right, I'm here from 54218, and who's heard of that? And what do the numbers mean? And you get the kids yeah. yelling back, okay, what's five? Five fruits and vegetables. Mm-hmm. What's four? You know, four bottles of water. Um, my favorite is a kindergarten classroom where a child raised his hand and he was so excited. He goes, eight eight minutes of sleep a night. We <laughs> looked at him and we thought and my aunt who was the principal at that school told me this story and I and she looked at him and thought, well, your parents are lucky yeah. eight minutes which is true because some kids right. only sleep eight minutes a night it feels like sometimes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the numbers really it makes it more memorable but really, you know, as we've grown it's become more of an educational piece of what we do and mm-hmm. the broader scope of kind of our work is really around well-being so that's one piece of it now.
3: Sure. Mm-hmm. So we, we really have into you know kind of a broader kind of discussion around health and well-being and what that means and so 5428 is kind of one of those pieces. So it speaks to to a unique niche that we fill in the community. Um, We take
2: very seriously our responsibility to be good stewards of the resources that are entrusted to us and part of that is making sure that we don't duplicate efforts Um, and that's actually one of the reasons that that the community kind of called for us to exist was to kind of reduce some of that duplication of, of efforts and really maximize resources and so there already are a lot of great programs and providers out there doing work around with the individual. You know, Health coaches, doctors, you, know, you should eat healthier, you should do this, you know, kind of recommendations, education, that kind of stuff. Um, what was missing in our community that we have really kind of um, filled a niche within and really kind of convened people around is this idea of, two-part equation. We have to have individuals who want to be healthy, who are trying to be healthy, so it's kind of the demand, but we need to have the supply. We have to have the environment that makes it easy for them to be healthy and that's where right. the bulk of our work is mm-hmm. you know and with my with my public health hat on um you know we would call that pse or policy systems and environmental changes okay um so focusing on kind of if where the places where we live learn work and play do they help us to be healthy and make healthy choices mm-hmm. is the healthy choice the default choice or does mm-hmm. it make it hard what we do in that case um you know when we look at the environment we say okay people could be biking to work or to school or just for recreational, you know, pleasure. That's a powerful way to build physical activity in, which then helps them to prevent maybe that chronic disease or that health, you know, issue that they could have down the road. Um, and so what we do is work with local municipalities and, and say, hey, you know, we see that you've got a road reconstruction project coming up. It looks like there's right away. Um, here's, you know, some ideas. You know, oftentimes our, our engineers and our planners at the different municipalities, mm-hmm. they're great. They know this information. It's just a matter of needing public support in order to really mm-hmm. get a roadway design in place that accommodates all those different users and makes it easy for that person to bike, as an sure. example. So a lot of our mm-hmm. work is in that advocacy space. Right. Um, we know partnering with our local elected officials and our municipalities. And really just understanding what are the barriers within our environment um, that would prevent someone from being active or from accessing healthy food or from connecting Mm -hmm. with the people around them.
3: Um, Previously, people who were on um, EBT or food stamps or food share, which which is called here in Wisconsin, Mm -hmm. um, weren't able to actually go to the farmers markets and use their food share dollars to purchase fresh fruits and vegetables. And so, for us, we were thinking, well, if, if we if we talk equity, I and mean, we think about having everyone have having access to be able to purchase those things, those fresh fruits and vegetables, the things that physicians, the things that uh, you know media is telling us that we should eat to be healthy, mm-hmm. you know, how can we bring the infrastructure necessary to the farmers' markets so that they can use those? Right. And if you're
2: on if you're on government benefits, it's like saying, well, your form of payment is not welcome here. Right. And so, when that was identified, yep. you know, the role that we played in that was really. Just one little piece, but just the piece mm-hmm. that
3: was missing to mm-hmm. allow the other partners to really shine. Mm-hmm. Right. So we worked with, with, the, with the community foundation. We worked with partners within the community um, to really build the infrastructure and the capacity to accept benefits at the markets. And um, we are sen- We have since uh, been involved in an implementation grant. And so now there are four different farmer's markets throughout the area that you can go and you can use your benefits cool. um, at. Um, we also have a really great partnership with a local health system um, that has uh, sponsored the Double Your Bucks program. Um, And so what that means is if I come and I'm using my benefits and I spend $10, so I want $10 of my EBT benefits, um, I can double my bucks up to $10, and those extra dollars I can use specifically for fruits and vegetables. Mm. So it's it's basically instead of getting $10, I get $20, and we know that 50% of those, $10 of that 20 is going to be used specifically to buy fruits and vegetables. So this is not only good just in terms of an equity standpoint and, and making sure everyone has access to these, you know, fresh fruits and vegetables, but also um, our local farmers. This is infusing extra dollars into our local economy and helping our local agriculture, which is kind mm-hmm. of a, a win-win for everyone involved.
2: Right. We are also able to bring a USDA um, Farmers' School Grant into the community as well to help purchase some bigger equipment, so our schools can actually process local fruits and vegetables now.
3: And a lot of times, it's telling the story, right? I mean, a lot of this work, especially we're so you know we're embedded in the community, and our community has a lot of great stories to tell. And I think those can be really powerful, and I think in in the instance of farm-to-school, we've really seen how powerful showing that farm-to-school story is for each school district. So we do work with all the school districts in Brown County. Um, In this past year, we've been able to develop videos of what their farm-to-school program looks like in each district, Um, and they've been able to use that to show their parents, uh, you know, of the students that are like, I don't know, what are my kids eating? this is, what, this is what we're feeding, these are the changes that we're making yeah. to ensure that what we're serving your children is not only healthy, but helps them academically. It, it, you know, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's better for the child, it's better for our economy, it's better for our local farmers, yeah. all of those things. And so I think that the power of storytelling and to really shine a light on the, the local assets that we have here is really powerful.
0: So clearly Live 54218 is an organization that really tries to hear the community.
1: Yeah, and then they respond by orchestrating a bunch of groups together to tackle those concerns within the community.
0: But I was also curious if they ever have goals that they solicit to other people.
1: Well, so
2: I think it's a balance. Um, one of a core principle for us is going where the energy is. And there's a lot of literature around um, when you look at social change models um, that you have to be nimble and you have to kind of have your ear to the ground and, and see kind of where's their political support, where's their just momentum, mm-hmm. and then leverage those activities. So that's core for us. We're never going to do anything that the community isn't positioned to succeed at and to, and to move forward. One of the emerging things we're looking at is kind of this idea of healthy food retail. And so we've looked at farmers markets. Mm-hmm. But kind of the next step, looking at grocery stores, looking at convenience stores, is it easy and attractive for people to purchase healthy food items? And mm-hmm. how do you even define healthy? Is a whole other question. We'll have to do a different podcast episode on <laughs> sure. that. Sure. <laughs> um, and so one of the things we've kind of dipped our toes in is with something called FNV, which is a national uh, marketing campaign mm-hmm. to market fruits and vegetables. Yeah. So if you think about the the multi billion dollar advertising machine behind you know, soda and chips and you know, fast food and all yeah, these sure. different things. Um, there has been kind of a national movement to put some of those marketing dollars and expertise and kind of know-how behind fruits and vegetables, and local celebrities or not local, excuse me, you know, bigger celebrities at the national <laughs> level have partnered up with that, and so we have a campaign now um, that involve you know people like Jessica Alba and you know other mm-hmm. faces like that, Kirsten Dunst, that are repping for watermelon and grapes and avocado, mm-hmm. and, yes. um, and so we've been able to put signage in some of our local grocery stores, local convenience stores, um, do some billboard ads. Um, buys rather, and have partnered up with, um, (coughs) excuse me, with um, some entities at the state level that are helping to kind of shepherd that. Um, And so that's been, that's been a fun campaign to work at it from, to work on, to look at the kind of marketing side of fruits Mm -hmm. and vegetables versus, you know, as health professionals, we like to say like, well, you really should be eating more of this. It's healthy for you. Well, if that was motivating, we'd have a really healthy population because there's no shortage of us saying that. Um, But it turns out that's not what motivates people in most cases. And Mm -hmm. so to Mm -hmm. kind of flip that on the other end and look at it from a really marketing perspective and kind of think about how do you make how do you make an avocado cool you know (laughs) right (laughs) that's that's been a fun emerging area of our work Um, and the other piece too um, (laughs) as we've kind of added this dimension around How we
3: connect. I are you laughing at how to make an avocado cool? Well,
0: I was I was just thinking about like the, the websites
3: really neat, it like rotates
0: back and forth. <laughs> the avocado <Yeah>. website? <laughs> it
3: does. Well the F and V website, okay. it has yeah, an kind of avocado. Modeling. Oh, okay. Because it's modeling.
0: Yeah. I was actually thinking about like avocado toast and all the Most you know, negative press around avocados what? as being like this no. fruit that spoiled millennials eat, or you know, that no. sort of thing.
2: I haven't seen that. Can we have a podcast
0: about avocados? <laughs> I love avocados. <laughs> Maybe that can be your next campaign. Yeah.
2: I do have to say, if we were going to do a podcast on a food item that most resonates with Live 51418, it would have to be peanut butter.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> Love peanut butter. We're fairly obsessed with peanut butter around here, and mm. we compete our brands against each other. And, uh,
0: so. Are you guys crunchy people or smooth people? Smooth. Oh, See, it depends on the day. The it
2: depends on the day. I can oh. go smooth <laughs> or crunchy. I didn't know this about you. Mostly smooth. But some days you want a little crunch. But so here's the real thing about peanut butter and what's interesting is so um, we were on a grocery store tour um, as a team. We like mm-hmm. to just kind of be out there and just participate in things and, and help to promote things. And so we went on this grocery store tour and um, the the person leading the tour um, kind of pointed out peanut butter and then kind of gave it a bad rap a little bit. Well, mm-hmm. Look, it's got this sugar and it's got this fat and... All the four of us were like, oh, peanut butter is amazing, <laughs> yeah. right? And so it highlighted kind of a little bit of a contrast between the way that we look at health here, mm-hmm. um, yeah, Live 5, 4, 2, and 8, and what a traditional paradigm around health might be. Yeah. And so there's intentionality around the way that we say, we don't talk about nutrition and we don't talk about the fact that, well, you really should have this many milligrams of this a day or this many mm-hmm. grams of that a day. Mm-hmm. We talk about how we eat and are you mm-hmm. sharing a meal with loved ones and do you enjoy the food you're eating and are you mindful when you're eating and mm-hmm. kind of some of these other things that once you get those in line you're kind of some of those more negative habits around binge eating and this things like that kind of sort themselves out a bit in portion size and mm-hmm. so peanut butter is is something that is it the most perfect food in the world I had to hesitate, but no, probably not. But it, it can be a nice source of protein. Yeah. It's delicious. It's convenient. It's
0: pretty much just a nut ground up. Right,
2: well, the, way Na- recently, the way Natalie eats yeah,
3: it. Yeah, I've recently converted the team to peanuts and salt, like just the oh, stuff yeah. you stir. I still yeah. have one foot in the Skippy camp. Uh-huh. Yeah. I was like, No
2: point of all that is that really a lot of the guidance that we give around you know how to live life truly well isn't around a specific food that you should eat or a specific Mm -hmm. like exercise regimen that you have to follow but it's more around do the things that fuel you put things in your body that make you feel good you know move connect with people enjoy life that's what translates to well-being and that's Mm -hmm. what's important to us and so our task then is to figure out what are those little intervention levers that you can pull that lead to that.
0: One area that Liv wants to dive into further is the well-being camp, as Jen calls it. How our well-being is intricately tied to our personal surroundings and mental health. And, interestingly, even the economic and social benefits of this focus. Here's Jen and Natalie again to explain
2: Yeah, and really it leads to that. I mean, mindfulness is a tool, but it leads to this broader piece around do you have a sense of purpose and why do you wake up in the morning? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that is a huge predictor for well-being and also a huge predictor for workplace productivity. And Mm so it's, you know, these are the things we're really starting to dig into over the last year or so. Mm -hmm. Um, And in, you know, actually launching just next month, um, we are going to be embarking on a community-led planning process to really kind of... Um, launched the next evolution of Live Five Four Two One Eight and really firmly broaden that scope into that well being camp. Um we mm-hmm. really look at how we measure that and how we build that in our community, how we grow mm-hmm. that here. You know, we're we're mindful to not scope creep too much and you know it's not you know it's yep. you know, prescribing medication, you know, for anxiety is definitely not going to be in our scope of practice ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's partnering up with the people who do have, you know, kind of the other parts of the puzzle and kind of saying, as a community, we recognize that that people are stressed and they're feeling anxiety and mm-hmm. how do we change that? And so, you know, there's things that we can do from the policy systems and environmental side and mm-hmm. there's things that you as, as a physician in the future can do. And it's mm-hmm. a matter of bringing that conversation together and having a strategy and, and yeah. measuring it and, and kind of going right. after
3: it. Yeah. Right. And we really like to say, you know, we like to look upstream, right? right. So there are a lot of things that will present in, in different people, you know, anxiety, depression, different things. So how can we kind of our role is okay, how can we prevent that from happening in the first place? Because there's always going to be a need to treat, right? And to, to to figure out solutions when those things happen. In our role, we really feel like, okay, well, how can we prevent that from happening to more people, right? So how do we get to these root causes of some of these issues, um, and so I think that's what, for me, gets me really excited when you're thinking about how do you prevent that from happening in the first place? Mm-hmm. And can you really do that at a community level? Well, I, think, I think we can. And mm-hmm. um, I think that we've seen, you know, across the country some examples of that of actually happening. And that, that gets me excited, you know, because it's not necessarily, you know, each, you know, each individual person is going to have to make some changes, perhaps. But it's also, you know, changing that environment to really build that and to amplify each individual's change. To create a community change. We also see this work as helping to kind of complement the work that many are doing in our community around economic development. Oh, and that's so interesting because the research
2: really shows that. Right? Two out of mm-hmm. three young professionals now pick a community and then find a job. That's mm. a total switch from what yeah. things used to be. And I know that that probably varies field by field, but two out of three young professionals pick a community and then find a job. What's the number one thing they look for? Quality of life. And, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just the data is there, it shows it, and we're increasingly understanding that and starting to leverage that here locally in the greater yeah. Green Bay area. So for us, we say, okay, quality of life, that's a big term. How do you break that down? Mm-hmm. Quality of life and sense of well-being, those are intertwined, right? And how mm-hmm. do you build well-being? You know, and we're looking at the research and we're showing, you know, when people feel connected to their community, that translates to a sense of quality, better quality of life here. Well, how do you connect people? I mean, we've got neighborhood-level studies that are showing us when you have sidewalk running through your neighborhood, people inherently feel more connected. I mean, physically, it looks more connected, right. but mm-hmm. they feel more connected. So you translate that A to B to C to D, these things that may seem unrelated, these little maybe minor tweaks, well, let's just put that sidewalk there, right, let's just put that park there. That translates all the way up to uh, the ability of our community to compete at the national level and mm-hmm. be thriving, and have a thriving economy and a thriving workforce. And so we're very mindful of that connection, mm-hmm. and it's you know it's never by accident the strategies that we target and the things sure. that we're working on. Well, out.
3: and I think that we remain mindful of you know we have a national level f- football franchise here, sure. right? And. You know, so when we talk about you know how do we amplify local assets? I yeah. mean, that's something that not every community our size has. Quite frankly, I don't think there's another community. No, I think the, the smallest, size. Size. Yeah, the yeah. right? And so, Locally, with that comes a lot of national attention. And so, how do we, you know, f- how do we use that platform for the good? And that mm-hmm. kind of comes back to storytelling
0: and local pride. You and know, local like pride. everyone loves exactly,
3: packers. exactly. <laughs> who, who does that? everyone? It's just like, random Bears
2: fans <laughs> living yeah. here. And if you oh, don't, my like... <laughs>
0: You don't even have to rail on the Bears fans here. I feel like because yeah. they just they are, you already feel sorry for them. Yeah. Like, <laughs> sorry, my, husband is, is my, my husband, it's
3: my husband. A bear fan. fan. I
0: hope we're not like alienating <laughs> listeners. But...
3: That's okay. There's only two of them anyway. Yeah, all are welcome here. Yeah. Oh man.
2: Yeah. No. It's really. It's been. And you think there's some of the things that have kind of come into place that have created the organization that we are. Maybe we didn't. Know why they happened at the time, but it's built a really strong kind of platform for our community. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we look at national level funding opportunities, you know, you know to be partnered with the Chamber of Commerce, that's unique, right? To have a letter of support written by the Packers when we're applying for a grant around um, kind of how to make our community more active. Those are those are unique assets that we have here, mm-hmm. um, and you know, to have such a strong kind of. Buy into this idea of really growing the economy here locally, and really focusing on improving the quality of life. In order to do that, that's a huge asset that we've got. Leadership in our community that sees that and wants to do that, and so it's really a matter of going where the energy is. Well, and really taking it's yeah, possible.
3: Taking that asset-based kind of lens to it, right? Yeah. So I mean, we can talk about how poorly our obesity scores are and how they're not moving, and all of these bad things, but. You know, to, I think Jen had said it earlier, you know, that's not really changing anyone's behavior. I mean, we can keep saying how poor these things are. Or we can say, okay, these are the things that are strengths that we have. These are the things that we have great community pride about. Mm-hmm. How can we, you know, lift those things up to then lift those other things up, right? And how do we talk about it in yeah. a way that everyone feels like they're at the table, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like, it. oh, that's just for that group of people. But it really kind of cultivates this feeling of, you know, Live is for me. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. You know, and the Fever isn't just for you know, John and Jamie. I don't know. <laughs> we just for everyone,
2: right? We just have so much here to be proud of, and I think mm-hmm. if we if we leverage that, we can do so much more. That I mean we have the most heavily trafficked trail in the state here in Green Bay. I mean, that's public health, right? We have, you know, a, a really you know rich history of agriculture here. That's public health. You know, we've got all we've got. You know, such investment and buy into our park systems here, um, you know, in Green Bay, that's public health. You know, we've, it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of about kind of stringing it together and really kind of rowing in the same direction. Our goal with Live Five Four Two and it is is to build this movement around health and well being here in the Greater Green Bay area. And while we work, you know, maybe a little more on the strategy side, sometimes it comes down to individuals individuals being activated around their health and well being. And so, I guess anybody listening to the podcast, we would just so strongly encourage that you you know, check out our website, check out. Our our facebook page check out our blog and use it as a way to connect to the larger movement around health and Mm well-being here because when we're really all kind of working together and moving in the same direction that's when we really start to see change it's the sum of all those individual efforts that kind of get laced together so we would just say to people join the movement
0: that wraps up our episode Thanks so much to Jen and Natalie for taking the time to sit down with me, and thanks to Dan for his help in all things
1: tech. Look out for new episodes of On the Pulse, which will air the first Monday of every month. You can connect with us by subscribing on iTunes, liking us on Facebook, or emailing us at onthepulsegreenbay at gmail.com.